Now that the offseason's pretty much over, I think we should take a look back because it was pretty insane. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be taking a look back at Kentucky's absolutely bonkers offseason. I'm going to break this down by month because I think it deserves to be broken down by month just so that you can see what has happened here over the span of the last several months since the clock hit zero against Kansas State in the NCAA tournament. I also want to talk about ESPN's final way too early top 25. They bumped the Wildcats up, and I really don't think it has a lot to do with Zvonimir Ivasic coming to Kentucky. I think uh, ESPN maybe just be maybe a little bit higher on the Wildcats, so we'll dive into that later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you're listening on podcast, I would really appreciate it if you followed along there as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. Taking a look back at Kentucky's wild offseason. I want to start here in March because we had some really interesting things happen after, again, Kentucky lost in the NCAA tournament. So they lose to Kansas State in the round of 32. I think that the first thing that we need to note here, and all I've got like maybe like a hundred bullet points here for the show. So walk with me as we kind of take a dive into this. And this is for anybody out there, by the way, that is uh, kind of wanting to get an off-season in review, kind of wanting to take a look back so that we can have a refresher on our minds as to where we are at heading into this season. Because I think people have forgotten some of the things that happened and some of the things that were discussed this off-season. The first thing I want to get to here is maybe we've kind of forgotten about this already. I know some of you out there definitely haven't. The immediate freakout from the fan base immediately following that Kansas State loss There was not a lot expected of Kentucky coming into the NCAA tournament, especially considering how they had handled their non-con slate and some really weird losses across the SEC schedule as well. Sure, Kentucky was playing better basketball towards the back half of the season. A loss in the SEC tournament to Vanderbilt didn't really give me a whole lot of hope heading into the NCAA tournament. I liked the draw that Kentucky got heading into their region, but they were simply not able to come uh, come, up uh, come out on top uh, against the the Kansas State Wildcats, who had a field day with me on Twitter in my post game reaction podcast, uh, speeding me up, making me sound like uh, certain uh, political uh, figures, if you can even call if you can call them that uh, out there. We won't dive too far into it. Just uh, it was really weird uh, coming out of the NCAA tournament. All the different emotions that were being thrown out there, uh, both in my direction. And in John Calipari's direction, just the uh, the frustration and the anger almost from a lot of different Kentucky fans about the fact that Kentucky had essentially done nothing uh, in the March Madness in what is going on, what, five years now? Kentucky's just not been able to get anything done. You had one of the best players of all time come through your program and Oscar Shibwe both years. You weren't able to do anything with him. 
Um, you spoiled a really good game, I think, from him. And I can't remember. I think it was Casey Wallace who also had a really good game against Kansas State in that round of 32 loss. Just immediate freak out from Kentucky's fan base. And then the roller coaster started to push further and further downhill. Severe Wheeler entered the transfer portal. Some people were happy about this. Some were not. I was one of those people that said, you know what? If we're going to have two really good guards in our backcourt next season... So be it. He can go play wherever he wants to. I believe he's currently at Washington right now. The McDonald's All-American game happened. Uh, a lot of people were excited about the prospects that Kentucky had in that game. DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Reed Shepard, Justin Edwards all had different varying degrees of success. Uh, I was very excited coming out of this game. And then there was the idea, I think this happened before and after the McDonald's All-American game, where Kentucky could play two seven-footers. A lot of people turned their nose up at this initially, but I think a lot of people now would be pretty content if this did happen. Um, I, I would be pretty okay with it if Aaron Bradshaw and Ugun Onions were playing in the same starting lineup. I think that that would be fine. Is that going to happen with the additions that have come since that time period in March? We'll talk about that later in the show. Transfer portal options. Jamarian Sharp, Jamison Battle, Caleb Love, several guys out there that Kentucky ended up not getting. Talked about it a lot in March before the NCAA tournament was even up. We were talking about potential transfer portal additions because there were several people that had already entered the transfer portal from teams that had not gone to the NCAA tournament. Chris Livingston, Antonio Reeves, considering considering leaving Kentucky, but they had not yet. Hunter Dickinson, at the very end of March, March 31st, entered the transfer portal, and Kentucky was an immediate option, according to Travis Branham and other Sources. So you lose, you have freak out, Severe Wheeler loses or enters the transfer portal. The McDonald's All-American game gives you hope. There's transfer portal options you're excited about. Chris Livingston and Antonio Reeves up in the air. Hunter Dickinson enters the portal and Kentucky's an immediate option. All of a sudden, we're really excited heading into April. And April, I think, is where you see the most action as we move along here. I'm going to try and get through this pretty quickly Antonio Reeves leaving Kentucky may actually be legitimate. Some people were really upset about this. I was one of those people that was like, I, I, I hope he doesn't leave because I think we need him statistically next season. You got Onyenzos, Chris Livingston, CJ Frederick have not left the program yet. Then immediately after we had a conversation about that, you got Onyenzo then did enter the transfer portal. A lot of people were very confused by this. Apparently it had something to do with maybe getting a better offer elsewhere. Anyway, options to replace Onyenzo. Kello Ware, Fordaw Zamak, Jamarian Sharp. Players that would enter the portal and go elsewhere, uh, Indiana, Miami, Ole Miss, uh, for those three players, by the way, in case you're wondering. Oscar Shibway may actually return for Kentucky. Seth Greenberg said it's going to happen. Uh, Shibway had not entered the NBA draft at that point, I don't believe. Rob Dillingham's status was up in the air at some point uh, during this five-day stretch that Uganda Onyenza was in the portal. It was like a five- or six-day stretch. Uh, there was nothing, I think, really true to this, although there were some rumors spread online. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, more conversations about him versus the field of other, other centers Kentucky could get in the transfer portal. There was a transfer portal. There was a lot of discussion as to whether or not Kentucky needed him or somebody that was better defensively. Uh, back and forth we go. Kentucky, Kentucky still has a great chance to get Hunter Dickinson, apparently, and then uh, Uganda Ninzo announced that he is coming back for the Wildcats. Oscar Shibwe entered the NBA draft. Six players decided, or six players, though, still undecided on what they want to do uh, for the Wildcats. Shibwe entering the draft, we all kind of sat here and, and kind of went, well, shoot, um, we're going to have to sit here and wait for Shibwe to make a decision so that all these other transfers Kentucky could bring in 
can make a decision. Immediately after that, Kentucky losing momentum with Hunter Dickinson was the conversation that we had, kind of floating around there in the rumor mill, uh, with Sheepway entering the draft, but not making it known whether or not he would come back was very frustrating to deal with. As a fan, and I can only imagine it was frustrating to the to the coaching staff, Dickinson said that he wants to come play for Kentucky if Sheepway doesn't return. There were more transfer portal options that, that ended up being possibilities that Kentucky did not end up getting. I, in April, gave my initial take on the starting five. Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, and Yugen Onyenzo. I think you can shuffle that a little bit around a little bit now that we have better perspective on who's playing where. Hunter Dickinson set a visit with Kentucky, so you're kind of down and out, and all of a sudden he's coming to Lexington. Damian Collins enters the transfer portal. Kentucky gets selected for the Global Jam. Dickinson visit went well with Kentucky. Kind of some generic things coming out of that visit. And then you enter May, and some more crazy things happen there. It was just, oh, those first couple of months, just a roller coaster of emotions. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. You're kind of confused, you're worried, you're stressed. And then May hit. And then you kind of got some more answers as to what's going to happen with Kentucky basketball. I want to continue along here with this recap of the the season before we get to that, though, or the offseason before we get to that, though. I want to tell you guys about our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is really simple to play because I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Prize Picks also has quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types. It's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. They offer uh, weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player pro- uh, projections up to 25% to add even more value. And with the Prize Picks uh, reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for NFL games and college football top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. Really interesting and thankful that Prize Picks does that for some of my picks because I've already had that happen with a couple of players. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. You can go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash college. Use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That is Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made Easy. Today's episode is also brought to you by Game Time. This past weekend, I decided to go on the road to go see a football game, Arkansas versus Ole Miss. It was a lot of fun. It was a great atmosphere. I didn't even realize it. It was striped the stadium for the Rebels. I have no affiliation with either program. I just wanted to go see a football game, and prize picks absolutely helped me out. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all different sporting events, including music comedy, and theater events near you. And this was the big-time thing for me. Killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. It was really easy and quick to use whenever I was going to get game time. Got some phenomenal seats near the 50-yard line for a really, really good price. Like I mentioned, they have last-minute deals, flash deals, zone deals, and easy-to-find-and-buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You need to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Again, you can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. You need to download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Really appreciate you making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. If you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you followed along or subscribed wherever you are listening. And I'm very thankful to you guys who have been listening uh, for quite some time to the pod and uh, the, uh, the YouTube channel as well. Very thankful for the audience that we've bit, built here over the past going on my third season here at Locked On Kentucky. Just crazy how time flies. Speaking of time flying, taking a look back at Kentucky's wild offseason, we've gone through March and April, and we dive into May, and we get some more drama uh, as, as we continue along here, and we wade into the summer. May, nothing definitive from, uh, from Hunter Dickinson or his camp for days. There was all that crap happening with him hopping on the Barstool Sports uh, podcast that he was kind of affiliated with for some friends that he used to play with slash new uh, hated and despised every single second of that. Um, that uh, I'll leave, I'll leave that there because I could talk about that for a few minutes and just how negatively that impacted my perspective of both Dickinson and the people who that he surrounds himself with. Um, not somebody I would want to come play and lead uh, my team. And then he ends up picking Kansas uh, just a few short days after we just kind of have some silence and there was some back and forth and some, again, just some bogus that happened with him in that podcast and wanting to hype it up and, and create engagement. Just just lame, just lame stuff. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw rumors. Apparently Aaron Bradshaw may be leaving Kentucky. That was something that happened in May. That was cleaned up a few days later. Grant Nelson appeared to be an option for Kentucky immediately after the Hunter Dickinson news about him committing to Kansas. Uh, Oscar Shibway also finally decided to stay in the NBA draft. So Shibway decided immediately after Hunter Dickinson said he's going to Kansas. Hey, by the way, I'm not coming to Kentucky either. And that's what we were really fearful uh, of for two months that Kentucky would lose out on Shibway and he wouldn't give an answer as to whether or not he would actually come back until it was too late to get a player that they wanted, i.e. Hunter Dickinson. And then, uh, and then there was more meltdown surrounding Coach Cal and not being able to get a transfer portal commitment. Keyshawn Johnson of San Diego State took a visit to Kentucky, ended up, I believe, going to Arizona. Antonio Reeves still has not decided whether or not he's staying or leaving, and it's May. It's late May. People melt down over Cal not being able to get any sort of commitment from the transfer portal, and this was a very valid one at that, I think. Eight scholarship players late in May. Chris Livingston staying in the NBA draft. Just more on top of more on top of more drama. Uh, not a single positive thing there. Just hope uh, for something to positively happen. And then I believe things start to really churn around here in June. So you get through the rest of March. You get through April. You get through May. Not a lot of really good things happening. You're happening. You're just kind of holding out for good things to come. June, Jordan Burks commits to Kentucky. The La Familia NIL Club was created by Coach Cal. Antonio Reeves still has not decided what he wants to do. Aaron Bradshaw suffers a foot fracture and everyone freaks out in the middle of June. Joey Hartz commits to Kentucky. Antonio Reeves announced that he is finally returning to Kentucky. Thank goodness we thought he was going to go back to Illinois State or something. I don't know where he was going to go. Um, but just a lot of back and forth there about will he stay, will he go, what's he going to do, yada, yada, yada. Very frustrating. June, midway through June, he announces that he is finally coming back. 
Trey Mitchell becomes a possibility for Kentucky. Chris Livingston almost goes undrafted in the NBA draft. Case Wallace is a top 10 pick. Trey Mitchell actually does commit to Kentucky versatile power forward there from West Virginia. Two days later, Somto Cyril commits to Kentucky, but he will be playing in next year's, uh, he will be uh, coming in next year's class, not this one. He decided that he would not reclassify for the Wildcats. The SEC-ACC Challenge versus Miami was announced. We were kind of frustrated that it wasn't Duke, but you know what? It is what it is. You're playing North Carolina this season in the, in the um, in Kansas, so you can't really complain about marquee matchups there. July, practice starts for Global Jam, and then a few days into July, I had my first, like, are we back episode? Like, is Kentucky finally, like, regrouping? Is everything okay here? Are we going to be okay? And then you're going to, and Onyenzo was hurt right before the start of the Global Jam. Kentucky beat Germany, Africa, Canada, dominated them for the most part. They looked really, really good in the Global Jam, impressed me, changed my perspective on what this Wildcat squad could accomplish this year. Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham, that was a conversation I had on the show, something that I remember about, you know, who's going to play more minutes? How are they going to impact the guard rotation? August comes, and the news kind of starts to slow down. Zvonimir Ivasic commits to Kentucky on August 2nd. The non-conference slate comes out. Uh, comes out. We have a couple of episodes of people just completely sleeping on Trey Mitchell and his abilities for Kentucky. Nothing about Ivasic is announced uh, throughout the month of August. September, Uganda and Onyenzo and Aaron Bradshaw are out of boots and they are fully healthy. It looks like, or at least close to being healthy. Zvonimir Ivasic may actually not come to Kentucky because of some things going on with the admissions department. The basketball schedule is released. The Boozer Twins take a visit to UK. Kentucky's ranked relatively low in most preseason projections, but hey, at least they are ranked, period. Still nothing about Zvonimir. The growing concern for him not coming to play for Kentucky is thrown out there by the media. Some people say that they would be shocked if he doesn't come to Kentucky. I sat here and said, well, I guess we're just not going to get him. And then in October, Zvonimir announces, or it, it is announced that he has been accepted and will be a student in the UK, and I believe he's going to be eligible and cleared by the NCAA. So, holy cow, uh, what a ride so far <laughs> this offseason. Uh, you had some really, really dramatic moments throughout May or April all the way through June, and now you're starting to finally get some things cleaned up. You're starting to get excited. Practice has begun, and Kentucky will play in an exhibition game October 27th. Hopefully, all goes well in those two contests. I believe they play a, a second the second one, November 2nd as well. So that is the offseason for Kentucky. I wanted to just recap it for you guys just to give you some more perspective and to maybe freshen up on what we've been through as Kentucky fans. That is a lot, a lot of different things that have happened that have just kind of been up and down and up and down and up and down. And it's been, it's been a ride, but I'm very glad that I've gotten to talk about it and cover it with you guys. So if you, if you have any thoughts on this offseason. Is this the most most tumultuous offseason that you have ever experienced as a Kentucky basketball fan? I want you to sound off in the comments below. You can also hit me on Twitter at LockedOnUK. All right, ESPN has released their final way too early top 25, and Kentucky is actually a couple spots higher than where they normally are. I want to dive into that in just a second. Before I do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Jace Medical. The Jace case provided by Jace Medical has five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. 
You can get ongoing care from our physicians or from their physicians on any treatment related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. You do not want to be caught unprepared in a bad situation. And the Jace case provides all of the good stuff that you may need in a certain scenario. Whenever you do need quick medical help, everyone should be empowered to take care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluation to licensed pharmacy, medication delivery, and ongoing consultation and care. It's really, really awesome what they've got going on over there at Jace. I actually recommended this to my mother who immediately uh, jumped on it and has, has, had, has had very positive things to say about Jace Medical and the Jace case that she got from them. You can get $20 off any life-saving antibiotics that you put in the Jace case today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. Again, you can use code Locked On at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. Kentucky. Currently ranked number 15 in ESPN's way too early top 25. Previously, they were ranked 17th for the majority of the offseason here. Uh, whenever Kentucky started, or excuse me, ESPN started putting out uh, way too early top 25s. I believe they actually started unranked. And then whenever things started to get cleared up in June, um, you started this, started to see them enter some of these rankings. And this is what Jeff Borzello, the writer of this article over at ESPN.com, Again, you can go check it out there. This is what he has to say about the Kentucky Wildcats. While questions remain over the experience and youth in this season's Kentucky squad, there are no doubts about the talent level in Lexington. In ESPN's 2024 mock draft, the Wildcats have two of the five highest-ranked college players, Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, and five players, Edwards, Wagner, Onyenzo, Bradshaw, and Dillingham, ranked inside the top 42 overall. That doesn't include veterans Antonio Reeves or Trey Mitchell, who should both both start for John Calipari this offseason. Or excuse me, this season. And then Borzello provides a starting five, as he does for every team in this top 25, a projected starting lineup, I should say. And he believes the starting lineup will include DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Justin Edwards, Trey Mitchell, and Aaron Bradshaw. I think that Trey Mitchell will probably start for this team, I can only imagine that he will, given his experience, whether that's at power forward or center, yet to be decided. I think it has partially has to do with the health of both Bradshaw and Onyenzo. I think both of them will be fine, I assume, I hope, uh, before the beginning of the season. I think it's more likely that we see Aaron Bradshaw coming off the bench and Onyenzo starting and Trey Mitchell starting at the four. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't think Aaron Bradshaw wants to start at the center. I don't think based on what we talked about literally just a minute ago um, about reminder from April, how Cal said that they want to play seven, two seven-footers and Bradshaw would be your power forward. So my guess is that Kentucky will end up playing Bradshaw at the four behind Trey Mitchell to start. Maybe that changes. I don't know. And then you have Uganda and Yenzo coming in at center and that's your five, and then Trey Mitchell can slide down whenever you feel like it. If you want to play, Aaron, if you want to play Bradshaw at the four, I don't know. There's some things that you can do with this front court that I don't necessarily know if Kentucky is going to do. We're just going to have to wait and see. Part of it's going to be shown to us in this exhibition game. Part of it's also going to be shown in more important games like Kansas early on in November. So I, I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to handle it. But I don't think Bradshaw's your starting five. 
that that's just my that's my guess. I don't think that he's your center here. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Something that we've been talking about whenever we talk about these uh, way too early top 25s is the, fact, is the fact that Arkansas is ahead of Kentucky. They were previously ranked 14th uh, in these rankings. They are now behind Kentucky at 16th. I think that that's fair. That's what I've been saying for months now is they need to be a spot or two behind Kentucky. I think Kentucky's better. The team's right above the Wildcats. North Carolina at number 14. Villanova at number 13. They've jumped up from 16th. There to a top 15 team. At number 12, you have Arizona. 11, Florida Atlantic. They were previously ninth. I, again, have been calling for the Owls to be ranked lower than where they are. I'm not saying that they aren't a top 25 team. I'm just saying I think last year's run is a little is a little fluky on top of the fact that it's they don't play in a great conference, and I just don't know. Talent-wise, if they are a top 10 team, is what I've continued to say. Tell you who is apparently a top 10 team, Gonzaga. They've dropped from 7th to 10th. Creighton has moved up from 13th to 9th. I've been saying that uh, Creighton needs to be ranked ranked higher than inside the top 10, and here we go in the top 10 for uh, ESPN's final way too early top 25. At number 8, you have Tennessee. Don't know if they're a top 10 team. Marquette is at number 7. They were previously 10th. I thought that that was a good uh, spot for them as well. Houston at number six, they have not moved. UConn at number five, Michigan State at number four, Purdue at number three, Duke at number two, and Kansas at number one. The interesting thing that I want to point out here about Kansas is the fact that they are actually, I believe, about to get some hearings on their um, their um, uh, FBI investigation, of, I believe from back like in 2017, 2018. Are there going to be postseason suspensions? Is Bill Self going to be suspended for a few games? That could be absolutely massive for Kentucky if he's not able to coach that game against the Wildcats. I believe that's the second or third game of the year. Uh, Based on how we've seen these other cases go outside of Oklahoma State, I think that Kansas will probably get uh, maybe a couple of game suspension for Bill Self right before the Kentucky game. And uh, maybe a little slap uh, on the wrist the university will get as as far as, like, fines go. Um, Boosters will cover it. It, It'll be no big deal. I don't think anything's going to happen uh, from it. But that is something to monitor here. Kentucky's going to be an underdog if Bill Self's not able to coach in that game. Uh, That could be really, really big. Other teams of note here in the top 25. Miami is at number 19. Kentucky's going to play them early on in the year. Texas A&M at 20. You've also got Alabama at number 22. USC at number 24. And I think that's that's an interesting spot for them. And then Rick Pitino and St. John's are at 25. Florida and Auburn also inside the top 30 in the next in line spot on ESPN's article. So if you want to go check that out, it's over on ESPN.com. Jeff Borzello put that together. I like Kentucky at number 15. I think it makes sense. I think they're a top 15 team heading into this season. Um... Yeah, I think, good job, ESPN. I think that's where they should be. Uh, so if you've got any thoughts on a way-too-early top 25 or where the, where the Wildcats should be to start the year, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDaw underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky podcast any questions comments concerns leave those in the youtube comments below hit me on the socials i will see you all tomorrow for another episode of locked on kentucky hope you guys have a great rest of your day and god bless